Good morning. My name is David Toussaint from www.troubledfinances.com. I have a book available by that name called Troubled Finances, There is Hope, available on that website. Recently, we talked about Ken and his hot muscle car. You may remember when Ken was trying to finance his hot muscle car, he asked his parents to co-sign. They wisely turned him down. What might have happened if they had not turned him down? This is the uh, situation with Jocelyn and her mother, Jackie, and how Jackie did not turn Josephine, I'm sorry, Josephine down, uh, and instead did cosign. So let's look at this from the beginning on this story. What if my 18-year-old son or daughter needs a cosigner for their first car since they have not yet established credit? Let's first go to the Bible. I like the Bible because it is the inerrant Word of God, and we'll talk about that after a bit here. But the Bible says in Proverbs 22, Do not be among those who give pledges or cosign, among those who become guarantors for debts. If you have nothing with which to pay, why should he take your bed from under you? A man in Proverbs 17 says, A man lacking in sense pledges and becomes guarantor in the presence of his neighbor. So God is warning us in these scriptures not to cosign not to guarantee someone's debt. So why not? Well, here are some questions to consider. Number one, if they do not make the payments, can we afford to make them? That's a legitimate concern, right? I mean, if you're signing on something and if you have to make the payments, can you afford to do that, right? Secondly, if you or I are required to make those payments, will this damage our relationship with our child? Will resentment show up in our conversations? Can we still speak with him about God and influence him to walk closely with him? Can we influence them in perhaps something other important, like their spouse that they're they're thinking of marrying? Can we influence them in some fashion? The answers to these questions should determine our answer to our child. However, what happens when we did not know or did not consider these questions? Jacqueline and her daughter, Josephine, and they called her Josie, found this out the hard way. It all started when Jacqueline did not agree with her father, Frank. Frank had instructed her over and over the correct way of managing her money as a young child. And when she began her first real job, earning good money, still living at home, he sat her down at the table with him and provided an outline of what she should do and some investments and some savings she should make. She did not agree with her dad and in no way was willing to put money in an investment or long-term savings. This, to her, would be a sacrifice, and she wanted nothing of it. And a few years later, when she married, her husband also made good money, and they had the same philosophy. Let's enjoy it. Fast forward 20 years. Okay, they're married. They now have a daughter who's 18 years old. Her name is Josie, and she needs a car. But Josie does not want just any car. She wants a new, classy car like that of her rich friends. Even her mother thought this was over the top. Unfortunately, guess who won out? Josie. The other bigger issue was even though Josie had a job, is that it was not enough of a job to justify this car. The car car dealer said, no problem, Josie. Just have your mother sign this form, and we will put you behind the wheel. Josie was so excited, she could hardly sit, sit still. The good news is Jacqueline and Josie had a wonderful relationship. Jacqueline had raised her daughter to be like her, and she was. 
They agreed on most things, and as many mothers and daughters are, they were close. So when Josie asked her to co-sign this form, even though she had misgivings, she did not want to disappoint her daughter. And she believed her daughter when she promised she would make those payments. And she did have a good job, and she was uh, keeping the job. However, six months later, it is March of 2020. COVID-19 has dealt the economy a serious blow, and Josie has lost her job. To further complicate matters, Jacqueline basically had no savings to speak of, and all the things she had considered making her daughter's car payments was not one of them. When the bank called Jacqueline, telling her she needed to make this payment, she freaked out and immediately called Josie. Honey, she said, you have got to get a job. I don't care what kind of a job it is, even if it's a fast food job, you've got to take it. Josie said, Mom, you cannot mean this. You want me to get a fast food job? Josie had always considered herself above fast food jobs. And now her mother was asking her to do this? This conversation, unfortunately, went from bad to worse. The mother and daughter who had always agreed were not only disagreeing, but disagreeing sharply. Whether or not the bank would actually repossess this car was irrelevant. What was relevant was the bank was calling Jacqueline. Jacqueline had good credit, but she did not have much savings. And this could seriously damage her credit. Josie needed to take responsibility here and do something now. Josie did end up getting a job, and it was not fast food, but unfortunately it was not soon enough, and because she could not get enough hours, it did not pay enough. To prevent her credit from being damaged, Jacqueline and her husband scraped together the funds to make the payments. It was difficult for them, but they they did manage it. Josie made most of a payment to her mother, however it was over a month late, and the next payment was even later. Jacqueline's calls to Josie were initially ignored, but now they're blocked. Josie has a job, but it's not paying what her previous job paid. Not only is Josie now behind three-plus payments, when she makes a payment, it's not even a whole payment. This means she's continually falling further and further behind. It has been almost a year. The close mother-daughter relationship is gone. Both are hurt. Both have dug in their heels about what they feel is right. Neither feels they can give in. They have not spoken in months. Some action steps. When two people who are close come to a deadlock such as this, the hurt feelings are worse. They were so close, now they're so far apart. If they attend a church, which we certainly recommend, and if both of them are willing, this author suggests that they make an appointment with the appropriate counselor there and fully discuss this. This way they have a neutral party and they can open their feelings up. Let's consider some options. First, can Jacqueline and her husband financially continue to make Josie's car payments? If they can, and if they choose to do so, this will to some degree restore the relationship. Forgiveness especially when it's demonstrated sacrificially, can have a powerful impact. However, if they cannot, or if they want to practice tough love, they could stop paying on the car. This would force the bank to repossess the car and perhaps damage the mother-daughter relationship permanently. It might teach Josie to be more cautious financially. In this case, it would be a lesson she would never forget.
But is this the wisest choice? The most important consideration is, what is my child's relationship with the one true God? The most important thing is, we as parents can do is to influence them for Jesus, right? Influence them to have a close walk with Him. If we can't influence them to do that, then they may not end up being in heaven with us, and that would be obviously a tragic, tragic uh, loss for all eternity. So the point is, whatever actions Jacqueline and her husband take, this is the most important consideration. How will our actions influence our child's relationship with Jesus? And how can we stay in a good relationship with our children so that we can influence them for Jesus? Now let's move on to a related subject. I get this question from time to time. Many people do not believe they should seriously consider what the Bible says. One lady said to my wife just recently that it was all written by humans, so how could it really be the Word of God? That's a reasonable question, right? What is the best answer to this? My answer to this is one word, prophecy. Over 25%, more than one-fourth of the Holy Bible is prophecy. Therefore, we can go back to the Bible and see what it says about certain issues then and what has happened now, correct? We can determine if it was answered or not. It should be an easy test. Either the Bible was correct about something or it was not. Let's look at one example. Here's a question. Could a country, a, 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 a country like the United States or Canada or some country, okay, could a country lose all of its borders and all of its people for over a thousand years and ever come back together again? That would certainly be indeed something special, correct? Because once a country loses its borders and loses its people, it's almost always forever toast, right? I mean, everything about the country would be gone over a thousand years. I mean, what country, uh, what the, whatever country had, been, had taken the land, it would have taken the land instead of that country, would have taken the land and not want to give it up, right? And then the new people there would not want to move because they've lived there for thousands of years or whatever. So this is something wars are made of. And this is just the way it is, right? Once a country loses its people and loses its borders, it's forever toast. Except one country. What? You mean there is a country that lost all of its borders and all of its people for well over a thousand years and came back together again? Really? Yes. The country is Israel. The Holy Bible prophesied in Ezekiel in about 592 to 570 B.C., that's before Christ, this very thing would happen. Ezekiel says in chapter uh, 37, for example, he says, For I will take you from the nations, he's referring to Israel now, I will take you from the nations and gather you from all the lands and bring you into your own land. And you and I know that prophecy has been fulfilled in May of 1948. It goes on to say, Then I will sprinkle clean water on you, and you will be clean. I will cleanse you from all your filthiness and from all your idols. Moreover, I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit within you, and I will remove the heart of stone from your flesh and give you a heart of flesh. This has yet to happen, right? It hasn't happened yet. It goes on to say, And I will multiply the fruit of the tree and the produce of the field, that you may not receive again the disgrace of famine among the nations. I don't know if any of you have ever been to Israel. I have, and I have seen 
oranges the size of grapefruits. I mean, they're just huge. I've seen grapes huge. I've seen other things just big. The, the land there is incredibly productive. Isn't that interesting? Exceptionally productive. I'm going to go on to say, it says also, Thus says the Lord God, On the day that I cleanse you from all iniquities, I will cause the cities to be inhabited and the waste places to be rebuilt. And this is, a lot of this is happening, and some of it's still going on. Finally, it says, uh, Thus says the Lord God, This also uh, I will let the house of Israel ask me to do for them. I will increase their men like a flock. And I don't know if it's happening right now, but several years ago, there were 20,000 people per month traveling from Israel, I mean from Russia to Israel. Isn't that interesting? 20,000 a month. Anyway, the point is, is that Israel has come in, is a fulfillment of prophecy. It's come into this country and documented that God can and does answer uh, prophecy, and he does answer uh, our, our questions about is, is the word of God true? Is it really inerrant? Is it um, um, perfect? Okay, And this, is, this, this prophecy is a one-time prophecy in all history. Israel came back into existence just like God said it would, and he said this. This prophecy was written almost 2,000 years, over 2,000 years ago from now. How could Ezekiel have known this was to happen, right? He could not. It was an impossible for us as humans to know the future. And Ezekiel could not have known this without divine inspiration. But this one little piece of evidence, and there's a lot more, that God does exist and he does speak to his people and what he says is always true and for the future is true because he is God and he exists outside of time. So it's, it's impossible for us to know the future, but he does know the future. Very interesting story, isn't it? Very interesting how prophecy is, is, is proven in the Bible and, and we can prove it in our hearts and give us a reason to believe in God. By the way, if you have further questions about this or anything that I've said today, please feel free to visit, visit me at our website, www.troubledfinances.com. Leave me a message and I will respond. You can also purchase the book uh, where this story is at called Troubled Finances, There is Hope for $13.95 soft cover or $3.69 on Kindle. Have, a great, have another great day. Thanks for listening. I'm David G. Toussaint. <music>